Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. On the 13th of each month, I come out with a new episode focused on cryptids that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. Now, cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Today's episode is about a cryptid that we've discussed a couple times before. A being that can take many forms and even has the ability to take over the human body. But today's case is probably the most infamous exorcism that inspired the novel and blockbuster hit film, The Exorcist. We are talking about the exorcism of Roland Doe. There's no Weird Club segment today, just me. Let's dive in. To understand our case today, we need to do a quick history lesson. The Cambridge Dictionary defines an exorcism as the process of forcing an evil spirit to leave a person or place by using prayers or magic. Demons and possessions can be seen in many different religions, like Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Taoism, and many more. It seems like the first one that was ever performed was about 250 AD. So, as long as there have been demons, there have also been exorcisms. Our story begins in January of 1949, at 3-2 one zero Bunker Hill Road in Mount Rainer, Maryland. A 13-year-old boy, who we'll call Roland Doe, lived a seemingly normal life until everything went horribly wrong. Roland's Aunt Harriet had just passed away, and he was longing to talk to her just one more time. Harriet was somewhat of a spiritualist, so she taught him about how to use a Ouija board. And so, he attempted to make contact with his aunt. And this is when all hell breaks loose. Pun intended. Strange things began to occur regularly. Roland would hear scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. He would also hear what sounded like dripping water constantly. But when he would look at the pipes and the walls where the sound was coming from, there would be no dripping of anything. But the worst of it was when his mattress would suddenly move as if an unseen force was pushing or pulling the bed while Roland was in it and no one else was around. Soon his family would see things happening around the house wherever Roland was. Things like furniture moving by itself and even vases flying or levitating when the boy was nearby. Once his parents started seeing these strange happenings, they went to everyone they could think of for help. I'm talking doctors, psychiatrists, and even their Lutheran minister, but no one could help. The minister did suggest that the family ask the Jesuits for help they needed, but their help came from a local Catholic priest named Father E. Albert Hughes. Father Hughes had to ask permission from the church to perform an exorcism on Roland, and they agreed. So in late February of 1949, the exorcism began. Father Hughes asked the family to tie Roland down to the bed for his safety and for everyone else's. But when Father Hughes began reciting the recitations, Roland became something very different than a young boy. 
deep growl started emanating out of his body. He began thrashing and trying to get out of his restraints. But then, all of a sudden, Roland broke off a piece of the mattress spring and was able to free his hand enough to strike Father Hughes across his shoulders, which ended the exorcism for the night, meaning it was unsuccessful. Because they could not finish exercising the demon out, it only made it stronger and much more aggressive. A few days after, scratches started appearing on Roland's body. The scratches were so deep that they broke the surface of the skin and drew blood. At first, it just looked like random scratches until a word was spelled. The word Lewis appeared on his body. Roland's mother took this as a sign that the family needed to go to St. Louis. They did have relatives that lived there, and so they packed their bags and headed to Missouri. A cousin of theirs was attending St. Louis University and put the family in contact with Father Walter H. Hallran and Reverend William Bodern. They decided there was only one thing to do. They had to finish the exorcism, but this time, several more helpers. Early March of 1949, the men came into the house and began the exorcism the same as before. They restrained Roland to the bed, and almost immediately after they started, scratches started to appear on his body. These scratches looked like they were coming from inside the boy. The mattress began to violently shake and move from its position in the room, but the men did not stop. Now, this went on for weeks. Every night, they would push Roland to the breaking point, but would have to stop before he got hurt or, even worse, died. However, they do notice something interesting. Bodern and Holleran noticed that Roland was calm during the day, a normal boy. But at night, as he got into bed, it's as if he became a completely different person. He would start screaming and having outbursts that were very uncharacteristic. He would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priests corroborated the family's stories of objects unexplainably moving while Roland was around. He would also freak out when sacred objects were shown to him, or were even just around him. It's reported that at one point during an exorcism, scratches appeared on Roland's chest that formed an X. The priest took this as a sign that the demon was saying the number 10 in Roman numerals, meaning there were 10 demons inside of Roland. But that wasn't the end of it. Another night, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thighs and snaked down towards his ankle. These happenings continued every night for over a month. Now, these priests never gave up on Roland. They kept trying to get rid of the demons every night. But then, on March 20th, the exorcism reached a whole new level. Roland urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at all the priests. This was the final straw. His parents could not watch their son go through this night after night, and so they checked him into a hospital. 
Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis. But then, on April 18th, the priest declared a miracle occurred. Roland woke up that morning having a seizure, and he screamed for the priests. He said that Satan would always be with him. Now, the priests knew they had to fight as hard as they could, and they did. The priests laid holy relics, crucifix, medallions, rosaries on the boy. It wasn't until 10.45 that night did the priests finally succeed. The priests called for St. Michael. They screamed at Satan, and then Roland came out of his trance-like state and just said, He's gone. Roland went on to talk about how he saw a vision of St. Michael, who came to a battlefield where he expelled Satan. And the two priests claimed that nothing happened after that. All of the incidents that had been plaguing this poor kid for months were done. Roland went on to live a completely normal life from that moment forward. Now, Roland Doe is known as either Robbie Manaham or Roland Hunkler, but apparently there is only one person that knows for sure. In 1993, an author named Thomas B. Allen wrote a book called Possessed. In it, he claims to have figured out the real name of Roland Doe, but he said that he will never reveal the person's true name. Now, this case didn't become popular until an article was posted in the Washington Post in August of 1949, but the article didn't go into much detail, and the next time this story made headlines was in 1971, when William Peter Blatty wrote the best-selling novel, The Exorcist. All throughout the exorcism, Holleran and Bodern kept a journal, or a diary, that detailed everything that happened. This was the basis for the novel. Of course, there were many changes to the story. The major one being Roland was changed to a girl by the name of Reagan, and most of the happenings stayed the same, with the exclusion of the 360 head turn, the Greek vomit, and no, he never used a bloody crucifix to masturbate. Those were all for the book, and later for the film. But you remember the author of Possessed, Thomas B. Allen? Well, he discovered a couple things while researching for the book. Apparently, the first exorcism never occurred at 3210 Bunker Hill Road in Mount Rainer, Maryland. In fact, Roland never lived in Mount Rainer. They actually lived in Cottage City, Maryland. In his book, Alan says, The consensus of today's experts is that Robbie was just a deeply disturbed boy, nothing supernatural about him. He goes on to say that the real Roland was simply a spoiled, disturbed bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention, or to get out of school. And when he was talking about the exorcism, he said that the priest never heard the boy's voice change, and he thought the boy merely mimicked Latin words he heard clergymen say, rather than gaining a sudden ability to speak Latin. But the biggest blow was that after the scratches appeared on the boy's body, no one checked his own fingernails to see if they were self-inflicted wounds. Of course, this is one side of the story, and we probably will never know the truth. However, what we do know is that this case might be the most famous demonic possession to date. So, what do you think? Are demons really out there? 
we are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from PurplePlanet.com.